So before uh, today's reading, just a very short prayer. Father, before we read and hear your word, we ask that you speak into our hearts your Christmas message with new eyes and new ears. Amen. So we're reading from uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So I'm going to invite Esther to come and speak God's message to us today. Thank you, Esther. Well, it's lovely to be with you again this morning. Thank you for inviting us all. Our theme this morning is love, God's love. I think when you know that you're loved, you have a strength and a resilience about you. You have a depth in your heart, in your core. And there might, meet, there might be troubles, of course there'll be troubles in your life and hardships. But when you know you are deeply loved and accepted as who you are, it gives you an ability to keep going, doesn't it? And I think it's like glue. It holds us together, the thing of love. Um, if you're from a, a family or a home where you know you are loved, then you will know what I mean. It gives you that ability, that rock-solid assurance in life. If, sadly, you're from a home where maybe that love was wrongly shown to you or wasn't shown to you, then you will know the brokenness and the heartache and the lack of security, that that lack of being loved, the lostness in that. Love is what we need. Love is all you need. It's what the Beatles sang. And actually, a lot of the pop songs about love um, home in on this thing about us being loved and loving. Because love is a feeling we all identify with, whether it's in a positive way or a negative way. And true, pure love is what God offers you. We need it, and he offers it. And he's offering it afresh to you, I believe, this Christmas. Love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely, love divine. This is not a sentimental story. This is a story rooted in history where God has reached down into history because he wants to reach down into your life. A love that is unwavering. It won't move whatever goes on in your life. 
God's love will not move. It won't break. It's unbreakable. Whatever you do, it won't break. Whoever you are, it won't break. And it's unparalleled. Nobody else can actually give you that love that God is giving you. John writes to the church in 1 John 4. He says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. That's what Christmas is about. And then he goes on, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Friends, you're loved, you're truly loved, and God has proved it that first Christmas. And I love the way Luke, in seven verses, gives us such a profound message. It's quite amazing what you can do in a few words, isn't it? He tells us that a firstborn son is given to a young couple, and that young couple, they weren't even at home, they were displaced. They were probably shunned by society because she was carrying a baby. And their, their future was so uncertain. But Mary was holding the key. And that was God's love for the world, for you and for me. And I thought today, just I would very briefly take the letters of the word love and look at our scriptures and see how God loves us in these seven verses. Like those clever people in the Psalms, I think they're called, it's not acoustic, it's acrostic, not acoustic, acrostic. So, love. So we're going to look at love, the L, which are laws that are from on high, verses 1 to 3. We're going to look at O, being on the road, the cost of love. Verses 4 to 5. We're going to look at V, which is vulnerable. God making himself vulnerable for us. And then E, of course, has to be Emmanuel. God in our skin with us. So L. Yes. Laws from on high. In those days, Caesar Augustus. There's lots of names in our few verses, aren't there, this, this, this week. But Caesar Augustus is our first name. And he has given this law, this edict. Luke is telling us that the birth of Jesus is rooted in history. And he's explaining to us what was going on at the time that Jesus was born. The time and the place. This most unparalleled birth of all history happens when Caesar Augustus is ruler. It's not sensational. He just says, in the days. Not once upon a time, but in the days of Caesar Augustus. This is historical and this is certifiable. And we see that Caesar is giving this law. Now, I don't know about you, but government initiatives can be quite scary, can't they? And I think this new government initiative of Caesar's was probably very scary for a lot of people. It meant a lot of people had to go on the road. And for Mary and for Joseph particularly, for the situation that they were in. But you know, although it was Caesar Augustus putting this law in place, we have to look higher and above the earthly throne. This was God's plan. Because he had spoken of a Messiah, a baby, born in Bethlehem. And Joseph was 70 miles north of Bethlehem in Nazareth. So Caesar was putting into place God's plan that Joseph would travel with Mary to Bethlehem. The whole of the Old Testament points to Jesus. 
It's, it's about Jesus, the Bible, not about us. It's about Jesus. And you have so many prophecies that are pointing to these few verses in Luke. But there had been no word from the prophets for 400 years. There had been silence from heaven between the Old Testament and this New Testament. Had God forgotten his people? Maybe you feel God's forgotten you. There's been silence. Do you know God never forgets his people? And he never forgets his promises. And God cuts into the silence with the cry of a baby. The delivery of this baby is going to herald the delivery of all his people. And the cry of this baby is in response to our cry for help and freedom. The Old Testament prophecies are being fulfilled right here and now. If you think of those prophecies as arrows coming through from Genesis and Micah and Isaiah, you're getting these arrows pointing to Jesus. And suddenly, Luke says, all the arrows are pointing. It's here, Bethlehem, Jesus, a virgin from Nazareth, from Judea, the town of Bethlehem. All these prophecies are being fulfilled. Can you see? Way back in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, God had given a promise to Abraham and then repeated it to Jacob that through you there will be a child who will bring blessing to all people, all nations. And on Jacob's deathbed at the end of Genesis, we find Jacob gives this most extraordinary promise to one of his sons. You might remember Jacob had 12 sons. Can't begin to imagine what that was like at breakfast. 12 sons. And probably the most familiar son that we know of is Joseph, yes, with his Technicolor dream coat. This promise that Jacob gave on his deathbed to his sons actually The most profound promise was not to Joseph, it was to Judah. And this is what he says in Genesis. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Judah is receiving the most profound promise blessing of all the sons and it wasn't because Judah deserved it if you look at your Old Testament stories none of the sons deserved it and Judah did not deserve it but that's the wonderful thing about the Messiah he comes to us and none of us deserve him Jesus comes to bless us his people in abundance And we're all utterly deserving. This is a matter of God's free grace to you. And I, for one, thank God that the Lion of Judah came in my place, was born for me, lived for me, died for me, and rose again so that I can have a place in his kingdom. So all these promises are being fulfilled. And we have to fast forward from Abraham and Jacob, probably 1,800 years to Jesus. Caesar is in power, and Caesar liked to rule. In fact, he liked people to call him saviour of the world. That made him happy. And in order to prove his greatness, he called everyone. Well, let's register everybody, and also we'll get some more taxes doing that. I love this, um, this 
big picture story Bible that David Helm has read, written. I don't know if you know it. The big picture story Bible. Have anyone come across this? It's a wonderful, I've only just recently come across it. It's a wonderful resource. And in it, David writes this. Caesar, the Roman ruler, the king of the whole Roman world, began counting all his people to show everyone how great he was. What Caesar did not know was that God, the world's true ruler, the king of the universe, was getting ready to show everyone how great he was. And do you know how God was going to do this? Not like Caesar, not proudly by counting all his people, but humbly by becoming one of his people. Jesus Christ is being born in a place and at a time that God had chosen, not Caesar. We look beyond the earthly and we see that we have a God who is gloriously on the throne and in charge. And friends, be encouraged that God knows the right time and the right place for you in everything that's going on in your life. He is the King of Kings and it's his laws that will come to fruition in your life. So be encouraged. So L, laws from on high. <clears throat> laws that are for your good from God. And so Mary and Joseph hit the road. They go up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem. They had ancestral connections in Bethlehem, so they had to return there. Now, you might remember Bethlehem in your Old Testament. It was actually a very small place, but it was big in the history books because Rachel had died giving birth to Benjamin at Bethlehem. And then years later, Ruth had married Boaz. You might remember that story, and that was in Bethlehem. And Boaz, of course, is a picture of our kinsman redeemer, buying us back. Boaz bought Ruth out of poverty and out of slavery. He bought her into his home and into his inheritance. And it's a pitch of what, that's what Jesus does, our kinsman redeemer. And then Ruth and Boaz have a child, Obed, who becomes the grandfather of David. And David, King David, who we all know, is born in Bethlehem. King David is a picture of God as our shepherd king. So already Bethlehem points as Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, and our shepherd king. And Joseph and Mary are traveling there because they're pledged to be married. This was a legal commitment, but Luke is at pains to show us that this is not a birth that's happened through sexual contact. They have not slept together. They are betrothed. They are in that process of that legal uh, marriage, but they have not slept together. This is supernatural. There is no way that Mary could be pregnant. Not physically, not humanly. This is supernatural. This is something of God's Holy Spirit. And I take such encouragement in my own life that so much stuff in my life I can't do naturally. But God is in me supernaturally. He's placed his spirit in us if we are trusting. And that's phenomenal. 
So Joseph and Mary are on the road, and this was very costly for both of them to be on the road. Because, you see, first of all, Joseph had had to actually believe that Mary had not slept with anybody else. You could imagine, can't you, Mary coming and saying, Joseph, I'm pregnant. You can imagine Joseph, just his dreams of a happy family just being gone. And yet God speaks to him and Joseph chooses to listen to God's word and to trust in God's word and accept Mary. It's costly for Joseph. And it's costly because if you remember, Joseph was a carpenter. He would only get money from making things and selling things. And while he was on the road, he wouldn't be selling anything. In fact, he would be paying expenses to be on the road. So this was a costly journey for Joseph. And you can imagine for Mary, it's very costly. He's, she's pregnant very heavily, I mean almost ready to give birth. And she has to travel. And we have this lovely picture of Mary on the donkey. Well, you try riding on a donkey for 70 miles. And pregnant. Not sleeping. And actually, when you're pregnant, any time of any kind of lots of um, exercise can induce the baby's birth. How frightening to think she could have given birth on that donkey on the road. But they have counted the cost. But it must have felt so bewildering, don't you think, for Joseph and Mary? Why, God? Why do we have to move now? Why do we have to make this journey now with Mary in this condition? Surely it was jeopardizing the birth of this baby and jeopardizing Mary. You know, Elizabeth, who was Mary's relative, she'd had a baby party when John was born. Everybody had got together and clapped and probably given presents when John the Baptist was born. But not Joseph and Mary. You see, this was a supernatural birthday. And it was a miracle that Mother and baby were going to survive it because God's hand was on them even if they didn't feel it God's hand was on them and they were on the road and you know what struck me as I was reading this I thought on the road would become Jesus's address throughout his whole life he would be on the road for us counting the cost lonely maybe on his own quite quite often no place to lay his head. Jesus was on the road right from birth. And so we have L, laws from on high, that meant Joseph and Mary were on the road, which was the opposite to what seemed sensible for a pregnant woman. But in obedience, they travel to Bethlehem, where they're going to find out they're going to be shut out. No vacancies and very vulnerable I think, I don't know about you, but we can take comfort in the Christmas story. Um, our Christmas cards and our decorations, and it's all cosy. And there's a little picture of a baby with soft straw and some nice little animals around purring sweetly. But we have no idea really what that first Christmas was like. Luke tells us there was no the inn. Bethlehem was a small place. Maybe there, maybe there was only one inn and there was no place for them. And he tells us that Jesus is laid in a manger. Now, mangers were usually cut out of stone. They were hard and cold. And they weren't in cozy places. 
They were often out on the street or in a cave. Maybe Mary was going to give birth in the corner of a cave and laid in a stone manger. God becoming vulnerable, counting the cost for us. I love, love the hymn, Thou Who Was Rich Beyond All Splendor. Does anybody know that hymn? Thou Who Was Rich Beyond All Splendor, All For Love's Sake Became as Poor, Thrones For a Manger Did Surrender, Sapphire Paved Courts For Stable Floor, Thou Was Rich Beyond All Splendor, All For Love's Sake Became as Poor. The Son of God was delivered into a manger, vulnerable, naked, dependent on his parents completely. How desperate for that baby and how desperate for that young mother girl to give birth to the most precious baby. How desperate in that situation. And yet Joseph and Mary are choosing to trust God's word. Joseph had listened to God's instructions and obeyed them. Not always easy to do that, is it? To listen to God's instructions and obey them. And Mary too, you might remember in the the first chapter of Luke, when the angel comes to Mary, Mary's response is this, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. She glorifies God, knowing that a pregnant woman outside wedlock could be stoned and certainly would be shunned. How desperate are you where you are in life at the moment? Because God wants to meet you there in the most vulnerable place. And he offers you comfort, not the comfort of a lovely warm blanket, not that kind of comfort, but comfort in giving you the strength and the resilience to cope when life is hard and the faith to have when you're frightened. He offers you an anchor that's going to hold whatever storm you might be going through this Christmas because God takes your shame and he offers you his love if you will give him room. Will you give him room? Will you trust in his word this Christmas? In the mess and the doubt and the confusion and all the busyness, will you just take a point of remembering God's love for you and receive him more into your life? Because God showed up that night in Bethlehem and not many people responded. Take care, because this story is rooted in history and it comes right through to this morning to your hearts and to mine. And he asks us still, have you got room for me? Have you got more room for me? And his forgiveness will bring you freedom from all those things that trap you. And his light will come into any darkness that you're surrounded by. There were no vacancies in Bethlehem that night for the one that had vacated heaven's throne for a humble manger. Love is being spelt out, the laws from on high, being on the road and being vulnerable. Spelt out by God's own purposes and God's own sacrifice. And then finally we have E, Emmanuel. 
I love that picture. This great big hand reaching down, a little hand holding. Emmanuel. She gave birth to her firstborn, verse 7, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The most radical birth was not considered important when it happened. People didn't even believe it. Virgin birth? That's never happened before. That can't be right. People still don't believe it because the virgin birth has never happened again since then. This is a one-for-all-time virgin birth, an eternity birth. I googled unusual births um, just to sort of get a flavour of what people believe in and possibly are true. There was one lady in Mozambique who, uh, when the floodwaters were coming up, she climbed a tree and she gave birth in a tree. And then there was a lady who had been having IV um, for years and years and gave birth at the age of 70. Can you imagine? Unbelievable. But this is a birth that's like no other. A birth that will change everyone's life because it is God in our skin, Emmanuel. Remember, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer and our shepherd king. And he's come to destroy the works of the enemy in your life. Every time that the enemy, the devil, um, reminds you of your past, maybe he says you're not qualified really for this Christian life. Maybe he says you're not good enough. Maybe he says you should just keep on being, feeling shameful. Every time he does that, I want you to remind the devil of his future. Because you see, we don't trust in what we've done or who we are. We trust in what Christ has done and who Christ is. And when we do that, we're released from sin and shame. And we become good enough in God's eyes through Jesus Christ. Emmanuel is enough for you and for me. Emmanuel, God laid in Mary's arms, laid in a a, a trough. Emmanuel, firstborn, out in the cold. Emmanuel, God with us when no one else was around. No midwives, no crowds to cheer on. Emmanuel, God wrapped in swaddling cloths. I wonder, you know when the angels came to the shepherds and they said that today a baby has been born in Bethlehem, they gave the place, and you'll find him in a manger wrapped in cloths. There might have been a few babies born in Bethlehem that night. We don't know. But there was only one baby that was wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. The shepherds could not miss who Jesus was. You know, Jesus can't be mistaken. He never can when we seek him in the places that he says we can find him. And he will always be obvious if we seek him first. And he will always be available when we seek to worship him. Emmanuel was born. And I love the fact that probably Joseph's own hands brought him into the world. And wrapped him in those cloths. And laid him in a manger. I remember there's another Joseph in Jesus' story. That took the body of Jesus. Not from the stone. Not from the birth into the stone manger. But from the cross 
into a stone tomb. Remember that, Joseph? Wrapped in clean cloths and laid in a borrowed tomb. But Emmanuel broke through death itself for you and for me. Love reigns over every other law. Love counts the cost. Love is with you, in the here and the now, and into death and through the other side. Love is the theme of the whole Bible, the theme of Christ's life. You know, the salvation plan, the Christmas story wasn't, you know, God could have thought, well, I need to save these people. And he could have sat in the boardroom up in heaven and designed a strategy to save us. It wasn't a boardroom plan, strategy. It was a borrowed manger. It was God stepping into our skin. True love is costly. I don't know whether you've come across C.S. Lewis before. He writes some amazing things. And he writes about true love in his book, The Four Loves. And he says, there's no safe investment with love. If you're going to love, it's, you're going to be vulnerable. He says, the only thing that will keep you from being broken, because love will certainly break you, the only thing to keep your heart from being broken is to wrap it up carefully. Don't give your heart to anybody, not even an animal. And if you keep your heart safely, selfishly, deep down, then you'll be safe from the, the breakages that love can bring. But beware, he says, because in that dark place, it won't be broken, but it will become unbreakable, even to God's own love. And then he says, the only place left where you'll be safe from love will be a place called hell. Love came down at Christmas to buy you back from hell and to give you life. And whatever experience you've had in, in life of love, be assured that God's love is unparalleled and unlike those experiences. My last thought with you this morning is a word jumped out at me uh, in our scripture reading, and it was the word register. Register. So have your names written. When we ask the Lord into our lives, we're actually saying that we want to be registered with God. Joseph and Mary had gone to be registered and we too are called to register. The writer to the Hebrews says this in Hebrews 12. You've come to the city of the living God, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are registered, written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Registered with God, are you registered with God, who is the judge of all, and with Jesus, who is the mediator of a new covenant of hope? If you've given up hope this Christmas, if you're feeling broken and lost, then see that God's got a love for you that will unfold and that his purposes for you will come about, no matter what else is happening. Jesus offers you that love. Will you give him room? And if you have given him room, will you allow him more room in your heart and life? 
I'm going to ask you in the quietness to just maybe hold your hands out, which is signifying that you want to hold your heart out to God. And I'm going to read the words of a little song I used to sing when I was very little. I grew up in Africa, and we, we sang some very simple songs in Africa. And this was one of them. And I want to, I'm not going to sing it to you. I want to say it over you. And I want you to use it as a prayer and really think about it. No room for the Saviour at Bethlehem's Inn. Only a cattle shed. No room on this earth for the dear Son of God. Nowhere to lay his head. Only a cross did they give to my Lord. Only a borrowed tomb. Today he is seeking a place in your heart. Will you still say to him, no room? O Lord, in my heart, there's a welcome for you. Gladly I now would say, come in, precious Saviour. My heart and my life both shall be yours today. Long have you waited and long knocked in vain. Outside my heart's closed door, so cleanse me from sin. Then, dear Lord, enter in and live there forevermore. Amen.